listening to Inside Healthy Teens by Apricot Consulting, a series that draws on the experience of experts to unearth the principles of personal and team leadership. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us. Welcome to Inside Healthy Teams from Apricot Consulting, revealing conversations with execs designed to provide leaders practical insights to build healthy organisations that are sustainable and ensure competitive advantage. I'm your host, James Natsis, Chief Operating Officer at Apricot Consulting. I'm joined here today by Niels Vesk. Niels Vesk is a futurist and an international authority on innovation. He has worked with Fortune 500 companies. Niels is the inventor of Innovation Archetypes Process, which empowers organizations to forge forward in new markets whilst driving incredible commercial returns. Niels unpacks the million-dollar innovation principles used to create rapid growth for the future. This enables organizations to shift from being on the back foot to identifying and seizing the customers of the future, equipping them to rapidly invent the products, processes, and services that create raving fans and insatiable customer desire. Niels is the author of a number of books, including Innovation Archetypes and Ideas with Legs, and he is the founder of the innovation agency Ideas with Legs. His work takes him to all parts of the globe, and he still calls Australia home. Thank you for joining us, Nils. My pleasure. Thanks for having us on this show. I feel like I should be Peter Allen. Um, still call Australia home. <laughs> Isn't that fitting right now? Uh, well, our is, topic, and our topic today, mate, and it's great to have you on the call here, is around the topic of innovation. And, and perhaps even the word that you use a lot is around reinvention. What do you find... Uh, that word to be more powerful perhaps than innovation itself? Mm, I think it's a really good point. I, I know a lot of people would love the idea of having innovation. It's just that most people are scared about the risk that comes with innovation. And, um, you know, the reality is, and, you know, if you look at some of the research by um, Dr. Heidi Grant from Columbia University, behavioral scientist, one of the world's best you know, uh, motivation scientist, she sort of says that the world's divided into two different types of motivational preferences, one which we call preventative and the other is promotion. So uh, generally, most people, if you look at when we get to workplace in, in the real world, we've got about a 50-50% split between those. But when we get into the workplace, around 90 to 95% of the working force going to this preventative motivation focused preference, which means they want to avoid mistakes. They want to make sure they don't miss out on things. It's not about how it's, how it's going to make them look really good. It's like how it's going to make sure that they don't look like a goose. Um, so when you, when, you know, just generally we found for, for many years, when you use the word reinvention, very few organizations, you could probably argue five to 10% are the ones that are willing to sort of, embrace that concept of innovation because there's risk involved and they can see it as an opportunity. But for 95% of rest of business, they're going, well, we don't want to do it because it's risky. And so when we use the word reinvention, even though we, we do use some innovation, lots of innovation techniques in there, the concept is different because straight away we're using the word re, which means we've kind of done this before. We're not going to start completely from scratch, but you know, we're going we're gonna to take this business and we're going to rebuild it so it's better. And so just that subtle change um, starts to change the, you know, the perception and, and the reaction to it. So people actually 
can go, well, actually, that makes sense um, rather than, you know, I'm just going to go into a risky thing. And especially in the COVID or corona economy, as I like to call it, that we're in now, you know, the last thing people want to do is risk something, even though, you know, they know they've got to do something different. So in the market at the moment, and I think you talked about those two different distinct areas and rationale, and you talked about the preventative. How do we move away from that in this season where, in, in some respects, business models themselves need to completely transform, let alone processes within those businesses. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing for people to to move. Let, let let's say if we how do we move into this concept of um, embracing or changing? We know that you know. Let, let's say I've got a business and I'm a um, um, let's say I'm a manufacturer of some sort. And our supply chain, which used to come from China, is gone pear-shaped and the way we do business is completely stuffed there. So we go, okay, well, we need to rethink how we go about doing this. The first thing that we've got to be really clear about is how has the world changed for our customers? And I think that's probably the first place where we're helping people to get that, that shift is that, you know what, the customer's market and the customer's world has changed dramatically. And what we may have been producing or selling 12 months ago is not working now. And even though it was a good product and it did a great job or it was a great service, that thing has changed now. Um, so it's about part of it is realising as much as people want to go back to business as usual, the marketplace has completely changed. I mean, some markets have been decimated. We just only need to look at, you know, international travel, tourism, hospitality, and the sort like that. But um, what we've kind of found where we're helping people out the most is what are the assumptions that people are making about their business at the moment and how can you test your assumptions? So one of the things we always stress, if you want to change something rather than going out blindly, sticking your finger in the air, hoping that this is the way we've got to do it, what what is an assumption that we can challenge and test really quickly without investing all of our energy and our time and our money to, to do that. That's probably the, the first place that we start. Um, but resetting that, you know, the, the mind of the customer has changed, the world of the customer has changed, and then what assumptions are we making up about what this market might look like now? Great. Closer to the core of an organisational operating model, uh, I'm assuming that you do a fair bit of work in the process redesign. Internally, what are some of the things that you're seeing, I guess, as you look under the hood of where organisations are pivoting around their operating models and so forth, and what are the opportunities that you see there around reinvention? Yeah, I think that's a good question. So, if you think about um, if you, you think about a business model, you can think of four kind of core areas. I like to simplify it. So, it's about how we go about building our product or our service. Um, the other is around how we go about selling our product or service. The other is how we deliver it. And then the fourth is around the processes that we have in place. And so where uh, it may not sound very sexy, but probably the, the first core work that people are doing is we've got to think about our process, about how we go about either constructing, building or, or you know, getting our processes in store because those processes might have been stored or created um, 10, 15 years ago based on a, you know, um, remote manufacturing model where this comes to us and we do this or that or um, a face-to-face -face customer service model. And, yeah, we need to quickly rethink what that process is to start with. Um, then once they've got that clarity around 
that process they might then be looking at, and that relates to this sort of whole business model, they need to be looking at, or what businesses are doing very cleverly is they're going, okay, is it about how we're selling? Probably not because, you know, people can still access us. It's probably more about what offering we've got or what our product might be and how we're going about building that or, you know, generating that type of stuff. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of what we're finding is that process has become, you know, what used to be your, your Six Sigma expert um, now who is very much about quality control and how do we make sure this runs on time and on budget and without any mistakes, they're kind of pulling their hair out because they're going, I don't know how to think differently. I know how to make sure mistakes don't happen, but I don't know how to come up with an alternative solution. And um, yeah, so that, that's kind of, it was funny, I was just talking to a client about this the other day, the, the importance of what I call AU. We've heard of AI, artificial intelligence, but AU is around what we call alternative uses. So um, you know, how can how can we substitute what was being done by this with something else, or how do we swap that around? And that's where a lot of businesses have been struggling. And but the clever ones are going, okay, we've just got to revisit or reinvent these processes, and then from that, our model's going to kind of come from it, and we can start to package and deliver accordingly. Right. So if I was a business right now, and uh, you're talking to me, and you're where would I want to start on this reinvention innovation journey? Is it back to the customer? Where would you suggest the, the, the places of where you'd start from your expertise, Nils? I think, I think the first thing, believe it or not, and, and from, you know, I know Apricot Consulting have got an awesome coaching, um, coaching arm. And, you know, one of the big things I always say is it's it, easy to go straight into things, but unless we have a quick little look back, a review of what's been going down, we're more likely to create a mistake or it might be something that's a band-aid solution rather than long-term. So that might be looking at, when I talk about reviewing, it's not just, um, you know, what, what has worked in the past, but what's been working now, but also reviewing what are the emerging trends that have been happening. Let's say, for example, if I was in the world of learning and development, which um, I actually do play in that space in many ways. You know, I think there was a, a survey done by a, a group in, in the UK, sorry, in Europe, that they found that 95% of L&D managers and experts said that they will not go back to doing training and, and learning and development like the way they did for, forever. You know, that's 95%. And that's a massive, a massive change there. Um, so then you need to think about, well, what is working for them? So when you start to look at what the emerging trends, say, for example, I'm just using learning and development as an example, um, they're talking about the virtual classroom, traditional sort of um, e-learning, the static e-learning is not quite in. Um, it's around micro-learning, which is SMS-based, you know, so people can, it's small little things because there's already so much screen time going on. We don't want to overload them with more screen time. Um, so it's then about looking at what are these emerging trends and from that review then go, okay, now let's look at some potential scenarios. So based on some of these emerging trends, we might find that, okay, there's particular, the biggest uncertainties might be that um, we either have 100% of people go back to work if we, you know, if we do that. The other might be we stay completely remote and somewhere in the middle we might have something where it's a bit of a blended. And then the other thing that we've got in terms of uncertainty is we've got a, a, a scope around 
we could call it um, a quick recovery or a slow recovery. And based on those, we might plot and create a scenario around what these potential scenarios might be. So doing a review, looking at emerging trends, creating a scenario plan of sort um, is probably the first place to start. And then based on that, then go, okay, now, based on these emerging trends and what has worked and what's not working in the past, um, what ways can we look at what we're building, what we're processing, um, how we're selling and how we're delivering what we're doing. Um, that's where I would sort of, you know, start. You're an expert in design thinking before it became really sexy and a buzzword of today. You've been doing it for some 20 odd years, I think you said. I guess one of the barriers potentially around innovation is not just the people piece, which is the change management piece, but it's actually the cost associated with innovation. How have you seen design thinking models be applied in an effective way where companies don't see it as a barrier, but rather an opportunity? Mm, I mean, there's, uh, there's some, some classic examples. Um, I can't always go into naming the names of the businesses, but I do remember working with a, a very, very clever um, a develop, development, construction development um, organisation who have, you know, just giant, giant, uh, um, yeah, construction sites and things that, you know, what do we call them, um, shopping malls, shopping centres, everything. And quite a while back, they were very good at embracing um, design thinking in terms of uh, customer centricity. And I guess, you know, just like all things, I think design thinking has kind of fallen out. It's a bit of a fad now, maybe, or not so much a fad. It's sort of, it's still around, but people now have gone more to the user experience or customer centricity design. And really it's the same thing, but, you know, there's different changes. Um, but what we've found is that the companies that have embraced design thinking um, tend to have a much stronger understanding of what a customer needs by understanding what they're believing, what they're valuing, what their needs are, what their aspirations are. Um, they're very clear about what type of experiences or events they're going. They know what their customers are thinking. They know what their customers are feeling. And rather than going out and saying, this is the product or this is our service, you should buy it and let's throw all of our money into marketing and make them buy it, they're actually getting much better at uh, almost kind of collaboratively working out what's going to work best for the customer and bringing the customer on board on the journey so that the, the customer feels um, part of that process and they've also got a certain amount of trust in there. Um, and, and there are, you know, I've seen um, banks do that as well, um, implying design thinking. I found, um, I've seen sort of, you know, in the construction industry and material science kind of organisations in manufacturing doing it. Um, there's, yeah, there's so many benefits uh, really in, in doing it. But again, you know, if you didn't like the word design thinking, it's really about putting the, the customer first and then applying a number of different modalities on top of that in order to create the best solution. Yeah, the customer being in the centre seems to be the core of the whole uh, narrative around design and innovation. Just going back to COVID at the moment, and it's certainly the world that we're living in, and we don't know how long we're going to be in this world, and clearly there's an opportunity to reinvent across all elements of what makes a business successful. And I think you mentioned the assumption of the business and that sort of goes back to Peter Drucker's work many years ago, actually, the assumptions of business. But if, if you were to really help organisations right now who are exploring this need and, and 
or even the businesses that are so-called cashing in on COVID, the, the health sector related ones and so forth, for those companies that are looking to be sustainable and drive competitive advantage, what are some of the things that you would see as the key areas to move into this work of innovation and reinvention? Where would they, where would you encourage them to start? Uh, I think it would be definitely spending some time in reconnecting with the customer. Um, and, and it doesn't take that much effort and yet that's what's going to reveal things. So the way I kind of describe things is that the first thing you want to discover is an insight. And an insight is a word that's commonly used but seldom understood. An insight could be a customer need, a customer frustration, a customer desire, an aversion, or it might even be an emerging trend. Um, And of any of those that haven't been capitalised on at the moment, then that is then a commercial insight because um, it, it just means that it's there for the ripe taking. And the way I often describe it, it's a bit like going fishing. And um, it's, I'm not sure for those who are familiar with a depth sounder, but um, for the fishermen out there, they'll know what I'm talking about. A depth sounder basically sends a signal, sonar signal out, and it you know, identify a shoal or, oh, there's a school of fish. Now, it doesn't catch the fish for you, but it goes, hey, there's a lot of fish here. This is probably the best place to cast a line. And I think sometimes the problem that we have when we go out to do something is we don't actually know where the school of fish is going to be. um, And that's what insights do. Once we've got the insight, and that is by identifying the customer's needs, desires, frustrations and the sort, then we can go, okay, based on that absolute pain in the ass that that customer's experience or that bottleneck, Let's see if we can generate a solution for it. And then when we do that, then we've got, okay, now we can generate lots of ideas based on that core area. Um, Now that we've got some ideas, now we can actually go out and start to to validate or build some sort of prototypes to test that this is something that, one, is going to work, two, that the customer um, is willing to pay for the solution and, you know, that, 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 that actually is a problem worth solving. Um, so that's kind of where I would get people to start. And if you're looking at how do you actually go about doing that, um, I use something that we, we kind of invented. We call it the insight ladder. And it's not going to be that radical when you hear about it, but we can imagine eight rungs of a ladder. And within that ladder, there are um, on the, the highest level, we have what we would call our beliefs. Um, and why that's so important, um, or you might think about values as well, what are people valuing? And you might think, well, that's not really important. We just need to know what our customer needs. But the problem is that pretty much every business on the planet is trying to satisfy a need. Um, let's say I've got some money, I need some security so I can store that somewhere. That's a need. Um, but everyone else is pretty aware of that. But if I can understand what a customer is believing or valuing right now, and what's, what they're thinking and, and they're feeling, then I can actually create something else. So let's say, for example, um, something that's very prevalent right now is that customers um, are valuing more than ever <clears throat> certainty, um, safety, and security. Um, those, those are three. And, and so you might go, so what? But if I'm looking at what my competitors are doing, they might be creating some widget or some type of service. They're going, well, are they addressing this concept of security and, and safety and certainty. Um, so how could I do that? That might be that, okay, we're going we're gonna to start giving 100%, you know, no questions asked, money back guarantees. Why? Because people want that confidence 
that this is going to work. Okay, what else can we do? Or we could, um, in terms of certainty, we might we might start to actually <clears throat> prove that we'll do something or we can actually work with them until they achieve the result, even if we have to go over and beyond what our scope of services might be. Um, and, and, yeah, so it, it's about almost becoming an anthropologist or an ethnographer to, or, you know, a psychologist, whatever you want to call them, to, to get into the mind of doing those things, um, understanding what that customer is thinking. Um, another thing that, that can work out really, really well is, um, you know, you might find that there are some beliefs or some values or some thoughts that are actually unfounded that might be false. So let's say, for example, there might be a false belief that if I'm working in the hospitality industry, um, that it's not safe, you know, that people might think that it's not safe to go to a restaurant right now. Now, that may be true or it may not be, but if there was a false belief around that, I could challenge that and actually it gives me an opportunity either to demonstrate um, or to create a product or a service that, that sort of squashes that, you know, that fake belief or that, um, you know, faulty belief that might be out there. So that, that's kind of where I'd really start because that's, again, that's where you're going to find the school of fish. Generating ideas is usually pretty easy for people. It's that, that they don't usually think about where to generate the ideas. Really great yet simple advice. Going back to the customer, understanding what they need, what drives them. Security, safety and certainty are great starting points. Niels, it's been a pleasure to have you on our podcast today. So thank you for joining us. My pleasure. For our listeners today, check out Neil's website at ideaswithlegs.com and go grab one of his books. Lots and lots of insights. More than ever before do we need to reinvent and innovate. And having someone to walk the journey with you is absolutely critical in that. Thanks to our listeners for joining us on Inside Healthy Teams. Apricot can certainly work with you to help build healthy organization to be sustainable and maintain that competitive advantage. If you enjoyed today's podcast and wish to check out our other episodes, please rate and subscribe or can head to our website at apricotsconsulting.com.au. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting. We hope you found it helpful. And if you did, it would help us if you could rate and review this episode on your podcast platform and subscribe for more episodes. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us.